Welcome. How many of you went to breakfast this morning and then came here and saw donuts and you thought, oh, I caught a few of you. I caught a few of you. Yes. We're going to have food after service. So this is just a reminder. Don't run out the door. There's going to be food right after service and you can even take that with you and go home if you want. But we would love for you to stay and eat together. Today we're in the last week of a series called Four. And this week is the one I've been looking forward to the most. It's the week that we get to talk about, I'm going to leave that blank, you'll hear in a second, but it's the week I've been looking forward to. If you have our app, you can click the link at the top of the feed, and that will have our digital bulletin and our notes. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews today, Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into the, the passage. Heavenly Father, We come before you and we know that if we're going to follow Jesus, we want to be more like Jesus. And so allow us today to see in your word ways that we can be more like Jesus for our community, for where we work, for our families, for the schools that we are around and we go to. God, help this to be something we pass on to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. God, help us to see in Hebrews chapter 12, God, what you are doing in and through us matters, both for the people who have done it in the past, but looking forward to the future and having dreams, a dream of what your kingdom looks like in Steuben County. We say all this in Jesus' name, amen. So for centuries, people have wondered what the moon was made of. Anyone wonder what the moon was made of? Some people thought it was made out of cheese. Anybody think it was made out of cheese? Okay. That's why the whole world paused and watched on July 20th, 1969, when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin stepped out onto the moon. It was a pioneer moment. My grandfather... You're going to love this name. Hubert Drake was a pioneer. He was a pioneer. He was an aeronautical engineer, and he worked for NASA and was a part of breaking the sound barrier. So when jets first broke the sound barrier, he was part of the team that did that for the first time ever in our history. He also was on the team that that designed the lunar landing module. Let me show you a picture here of him. So that's him right there. I really like the 70s collar. I've asked my grandma why he was wearing a sweater and everyone else was kind of chill, except for the guy next to him. But that's him right there um, at, uh, you see, it's Murdoch, it's Dryden Flight Research Center. This is, behind him is one of their test planes that they started with, and that's in 1947, way before the moon landing. Now there's another picture here I want to show you. That picture, the arrow, the little arrow there, that's my great-grandfather in 1912 that made a glider with his aeronautical club at the University of Michigan. He was a pioneer. Did anyone want to get on that glider? Anyone want to jump on that thing? Looks really scary. (laughs) I mean, that guy's wearing a a beanie rather than a helmet. Come on. What's going on there? I love pioneer moments. Pioneer moments take us to places we've never been before. Moments that appreciate the past but don't stay in the past. So think about the definition of a pioneer for a moment. Pioneer means to open or prepare to follow. Anyone think Jesus was a pioneer? Open and prepare to follow. 
Our church has a lot of pioneer moments that have happened, great things from the past. And as great as the past is, the past can also provide its challenges. Some have said that NASA never quite found a new vision after the moon. There's a problem when the past defines a group. There's a problem when that happens over and over and over. When your memories exceed your dreams, the end is near. Let me say that again. When your memories exceed your dreams, the end is near. Now, those of you that are in a different stage of life than I am, whether it be younger or older, are all going to interpret that differently. But the reality is, right now in the present, you have an opportunity to be a pioneer. It doesn't matter how old you are. My grandfather lived to over 100 years old. And you know what? Till he was in the grave, he was reading science fiction books and learning about science and, and talking to people and engaging people. He still had a vision. Today we're in part four of our series called Four. We're forced to bend. We've been saying this over and over and over that many people know what the church is, not what the church is for, but what it's against. We simply want to be known for what we're for. We're for students, we're for children, we're for adults, we're for our community, because God is for our community. Sometimes we're known for what we're against. Anyone feel that way? Not just the church, but you individually. I mean, I, I thought about this, and I thought, I'm more known for what I'm against as a pastor than what I'm for. We've been asking the question, what do we want to be known for? And this is what our church wants to be known for. We want people to know Jesus. We want people that's to say yes that have said no. We want to be for our neighbor. We want to be a part of what Jesus said he came to do, to seek and save those far from God. All of this is pioneer language. You can't do what you used to do to do what Jesus wants you to do. It's part of a movement that the likes of the world has never seen, the local church. This has been what the church was supposed to be about. And the church has a very rich heritage. But whenever our church heritage becomes the good old days, there's a danger. And that danger is really scary. When your memories exceed your dreams is a very real danger to pioneering moments. Today I'm going to ask two questions that pioneers and pioneering movements always ask. And I want you to think about them and ask them because of the work that God has called us to do. And I want to ask these two questions because they're fantastic questions to conclude our four series. But before we ask these questions, I want to point us to the greatest pioneer this world has ever seen. And for us to remain on mission and focused on our vision, we must remain focused on him. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And Hebrews chapter 12 is honestly one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Because it starts with some beautiful words here about Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12, verse 1, I'll read through verse 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sing which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So this chapter starts with, therefore. You know, when I was younger, I learned that why is therefore, therefore? What, what, what's the point of therefore? The previous chapter discusses the pioneers of the faith. If you have your Bible, you can turn back to chapter 11 and see this. But in, in chapter 11, it talks about the pioneers of the faith. The ones that had faith before they saw the promise of Jesus was fulfilled. Like these pioneers, we're surrounded by witnesses. Who are these witnesses cheering us on from this last chapter? That's what the therefore is. Who's the witnesses? Abel, that Cain murdered after he gave a sacrifice to God. Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, the entire people of Israel, of ancient Israel, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets. Some of those names are probably more familiar than others, right? You know, when I was a kid, I heard the name Samson, but I never heard Jephthah. Those are all people that are watching us as we run this race of endurance. Essentially, it's like finishing the race, and they're all along the side of the race cheering us on. Keep going! It's worth it! We're in a race of endurance that is more about finishing rather than speed. In the 1968 Olympics, there was a runner named John Aquari. He's so, it's so hard to say. That got injured in the marathon and kept going as he crossed the finish line. He actually dislocated his knee. Dislocated his knee. I don't even know how you walk when you dislocate your knee. He dislocated his knee and he crossed the finish line over an hour after the leader had crossed the, crossed the finish line. Let me show you a clip that explains this further. Notice what he said there, that quote that was up there at the end. He said, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. He said, my country didn't send me. If we're following Jesus, we can say, my God didn't send me to this earth to start the race, but to finish the race. That's what means to run with endurance. We're not alive just to start the race. Wouldn't that be great? We could just like go off and 
to eat McDonald's in the middle of the marathon. Just whatever. We're here to finish well. We're here to be pioneers, to be fellow strugglers and endure the race that is set before us to our very last breath. He didn't put you on this planet to start the race well, but to finish well. The Apostle Paul had something to say about this, and I think this is really important. In 2 Timothy 4.7, he says about himself, as he's going to be martyred, he says, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. That's what life is all about. You know, recently I heard a speaker explain that there's been studies done on the entire Bible on how many people finish the race well. And the numbers are staggering. They're not good. It's like less than 33% of people that you hear about in the Bible, characters, people in history, finished well. The first three verses of Hebrews chapter 12 give us five commands to help us finish the race. Five commands, those first three verses. So to pursue being a pioneer, we have to, we have to, we have to do these things. These are commands. This is, there's no halfway. This is what we need to pursue. Rid ourselves of what's weighing us down. So that leaves me with the question, what is weighing us down? What is weighing you down? What is weighing me down? And I would say there's one central theme. Focusing on things that we care about that God doesn't. Things that are not focused on eternity. Some of the ways that that works itself out is what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? You get stuck in what ifs, you're going to be paralyzed to what God's actually doing. You'll lose sight of what God's actually doing. Or maybe you feel inadequate. And maybe you're thinking like this. I get what you're saying, Pastor John, about being for our community, but I'm not, I'm not good at starting conversations. Or, or maybe it's something like, I don't have any skills I can offer to others. I'm inadequate. Well, I, I've got news for you. We're all inadequate without God using the Holy Spirit to use us. Like, like, like we don't have what it takes, and that's why we need him. The second thing, the second command is rid yourselves of sin. You know, this is a constant battle, but it's one worth fighting. I've been reading to my kids the children's version of Pilgrim's Progress. Did you know Pilgrim's Progress is the second most sold book in the entire world? I didn't know that until recently. To the Bible, of course, but it's the second most sold book ever of all time. In the story John Bunyan, the author, wrote, Christian is the main character, and he heads towards the celestial city. Symbolizing sin, Christian carries a burden on his back that he can't get rid of. And when he gets to the cross, he doesn't even have to take the burden off. When he comes to the cross, the burden is loosened off his shoulders and just falls off his back. This is less a battle than it is a daily encounter with our burden-lifting Savior, Jesus Christ. If you're not spending time with him, how's that burden ever going to be lifted? We need to come back to the cross daily. Then the third command here is like, run with endurance. If you're a pioneer, you're going to run with endurance. Long distance runners have to deal with mental and emotional obstacles, potentially even more than the physical. You notice John, he he ran the race and he finished. His body was telling him no. 
His mind was telling him no. And his emotions were telling him give up. God didn't put you on this planet to just start the race well, but to finish well. God can use your limitations for his glory. You know, I think life is a lesson in limitations. Being able to receive those and accept those for what they are. An opportunity for God to receive the glory. For people to know it's from him rather than anything you could do because you're limited. Then there's this next command. It says, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Focusing on Jesus is pioneer. To set the context, look at verse 2. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And some translations use founder, but founder does not actually make the most sense here because Jesus is continuing to work through his people. It's not, uh, oh, it found it and it's done. You ever notice that? Like, it's not that. Jesus is the pioneer of our faith. It means if we're fixed on him, I think of those, those horses that have the blinders on and we're fixed on a target. And we're so fixed on Jesus that no matter what comes across our field of vision, we are focused on him and it doesn't matter what gets in our way. We keep pushing forward for new opportunities as pioneers. We keep believing And then it says right after that, that he who endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God is who we need to be like. There's no one else to be like. Pioneers believe this. They believe that Jesus, when he said you will do even greater things than these, that God would use us for his glory to do amazing things. I think of the old hymn, that says this, and I, I, I won't sing it. That's more for you guys, not for me, because my, my uh, singing would be incredibly off-key. But look at, look at the, the line in that. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, okay? Whatever you're looking at, focus on him. Turn back to him. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. The things that don't matter to God won't matter to you anymore. And then it says, in the light of his glory and grace you're going to get lost, much like the pilgrim does, looking in Pilgrim's Progress. He looks to the celestial city. He goes, follow where the light is. Go to where the light is. Pioneers are being cheered on by the heroes of the faith over the ages. And we need to have tunnel vision focused on Jesus as pioneer. He's the archetype. He is the type. He's the one that we need to be like. We're looking forward to Jesus while the heroes of faith are cheering us on. Pioneers understand that God is a multiplier. I mean, if we're honest, some of us are like adders. We add to things. Some of us subtract and some of us multiply. God is a multiplier. He multiplies our ability to be like his son, Jesus Christ. And we will do great things if we choose to be pioneers. Now, something about pioneers that I found very interesting, and especially about Jesus specifically, pioneers aren't scared of the unfamiliar. They're not scared of the unfamiliar. I mean, they try new foods. They do different things. They're not scared of the unfamiliar. And, and if we're honest, most of us probably struggle with that. But pioneers are even further than just not scared. Pioneers are intrigued by the unfamiliar, 
They're intrigued by the unfamiliar. They find it interesting. The word fascinating might be a word you might use. Pioneers live lives that are for their neighbor. That means checking in on them. I've got a great neighbor. His name's Clem. Clem, I go over and I talk to Clem, and we were checking in on each other last year, like when everything, you know, hit the fan, everyone's like, stay at home and everything. He came over, and he's older than me, let's just say, and he was going to, he's like, do you guys need groceries? I'll go get you guys groceries. Are you guys doing okay? You lose a job or anything? Like, that's what neighbors do. You know, we've kind of gone back and forth this whole time, so when he needs something, I need something, we kind of go back and forth. That's what people do as neighbors. I lost count of the times where we genuinely check in on each other. I just saw him yesterday. as you know, waving, and we were talking after he got the mail. We check in on each other with genuine care and concern. Do you know your neighbors? It also means thinking of them enough as you hear needs to help as you can. It means praying for those that you know need Jesus like we all do. It means praying for those people that have needs that you can't help with. So to do those first four commands, you have to do the last one. Verse 3 starts with something very specific. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Jesus pushed forward knowing the mission. And we as the church, as we pioneer, we need to live the mission to seek and save the lost. We have to consider what Jesus went through so we don't give up or grow weary or grow tired. We have a Savior that can sympathize with us when we're encountering difficult times. Earlier in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us this, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. It says, for we do not have a high priest. This is talking about Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. He's not, he, he's not unable to do that. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, with confidence, do you have confidence? For some of you, communion might have been the scariest thing we've done all day. Because you're drawing in to where Jesus is and partaking in the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Because we need to have confidence to draw near to the throne of grace, near to Jesus Christ, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Consider that when you're struggling. Consider Jesus. That we can go with confidence, confident that he will give us grace and mercy. It's really hard to be confident in each other sometimes, but imagine the God of the universe tells us we can be confident that we can go to him. Confident. The writer of Hebrews continues with this line of thinking, and it starts in verse 12 here of Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm going to read a a couple verses um, through verse 14 here. It says, Therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that the lame will not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without without which no one will see the Lord. Again, what is therefore, therefore? Right before this, the writer of Hebrews talks about our loving Heavenly Father disciplining us. God loves us enough to discipline us rather than let us be stuck in sin. He'd rather us get free. We might be so tired that we have weak knees. 
And some of us, where we're at in our faith, we have weak knees. We have drooping hands, as they describe. We might have weak muscles. We might have trouble running straight on the path that God has given us, and we just keep going on every detour that's possible or distraction that comes along. When our bodies give out, when those struggling among us give up, be a pioneer. Set the path straight, it says, so we can be healed rather than be in further distress. If we're on the straight path, verse 14 says, tells us, we should strive for peace with everyone, not just the church. Everyone. Everyone. Your unreasonable coworker, your estranged relative, the people you don't like. Just admit it, there's someone you don't like. <laughs> Preach it. We need to make an effort. We have to make an effort. That effort includes pursuing holiness, being set apart, being set apart for a special purpose, being a pioneer rather than settling where you're at. This is how people will see God move through us. If we're going to be pioneers, verse 12 tells us we need to run tough. None of this... You ever walk in a room and you feel like someone's walking in the room like this because they're just deflated? None of that. We need to run tough. We need to not quit when we feel fatigued in our faith. We need to cling to God more. And when our faith is here to sustain us, Verse 13 tells us we need to run together. Any of you feel you're on your own sometimes? That you're the only one fighting? You're the only one running the race with endurance? We need to run together. We cannot be pioneers on our own. We cannot change generations of opposition to God without running together. As God guides us. If you look at the picture of my grandfather earlier, you notice it wasn't a picture by himself. There's probably like 20 people in that picture because it took a team of pioneers to do something amazing. You can't do it on your own. Verse 14 tells us we need to run after peace and holiness. If we're running after peace with others, we need to be set apart. We need to think differently and act differently. And we've talked about that the last few weeks. We need to be pioneers. A beachhead into our community. An oasis in the middle of the chaos that we see around us. This last week, I went on a, I guess I'll call it a retreat. And we had a moment where we were challenged to spend two hours of silence and solitude with the Lord. I already had a bunch of people say, how long did you last? What was that like? Wow, crazy. But you know what? I'd spent days preparing because I knew something was coming. They didn't tell us, but I knew something was coming. That was an amazing couple of hours. That was an amazing couple of hours because it was an oasis in the middle of the chaos of my life. Maybe more of us need to think differently. You need to schedule time with silence. Let me know. I was there with a bunch of pastors, and none of us would have had that much time in our schedule to spend just in silence and not felt that we weren't being productive. And yet it was so productive. In fact, I feel like that two hours is more productive than the rest of my week. We need to be 
an oasis in the middle of chaos, running after peace and holiness, being set apart. To close this thought, the writer of Hebrews turns to worshiping God. It starts in in verse 28 here. Verse 28 starts with, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. The previous part of this passage is describing the unshakable kingdom. Pioneers are focused on his kingdom, God's kingdom, and not our own. That's a total different focus. God is the immovable mover. The universe is in constant motion. Someone had to start it in motion. God is the one constant, immovable object. And if we're pioneers, we're going to worship God with reverence and awe. Our passion for worship can never exceed God's passion for his kingdom. There's no way to be too passionate. It's a consuming fire. That leads me to the questions that pioneers ask. What now? What's next? What now? Dream with me for a minute. What now? We are for our neighbors. We won't both want to be good neighbors, active members of our community. When last March happened, things changed abruptly. And we chose to do something different. We chose to feed people downtown. That was like the first thing we did. What we're going to do this summer, we want to provide support to our community by volunteering as Angola has needs. We want to be at Balloons Aloft. We want to be out in our community. But we also need to be in community together. Community together, inviting others into Christian community. So we're planning on doing something different, providing opportunities for people to get together in circles this summer. Usually summer is a break in our community, right? Everyone's at the lake. But we need it now more than ever. We need to meet meeting in groups in Christian community more than ever. We're going to be starting new circles the week of May 16th in two weeks. This is an opportunity to get in Christian community if you're not already. And I know some of us have really liked our time away from life. (laughs) Anybody? (laughs) Come on, let's be honest. But I know that the God of the universe made us for relationship. And we need to be in community. Acts chapter 2 describes three things the early Christians did. They poured over the word of God together. That's what we're doing right now. They ate together and prayed together. Those are three things that we can do together. They were communal as a regular part of their lives. If you're not doing those things together with others, I strongly encourage you to do them. So let's talk about what's next. If we look back to the glory days of sunlight. I mentioned some of how sunlight started last week. We'll miss what God is doing and how we are praying for him to work. We're here with the mission of Jesus to seek and save the lost, baptizing them and teaching them the gospel, sending each other out to reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. A victory happened recently. I want to share this with you. It may not have been a victory for everyone else in the room, but it certainly was for me. We got guys together, and we gathered together in a group called Forged. We ate over food, and we talked about what community looked like in the Bible and how we can do that to live it out together. What was most interesting, and I I found very interesting, is we forget the food many times. 
we forget the food and we don't realize that part of things actually was a victory there. We ate, and you know what? Guys actually talked. You know, like we don't like to talk about our feelings and anything really, except for sports. We actually talked. That was a huge victory. You just saw earlier, women went to women's retreat, spent time in God's word, in community, and building relationships. And I heard they stayed up all night, so that must have been fun too. I don't know. The quietest victories many times have the most eternal impact. We are very close to opening up more financial capacity for ministry. Our mortgage is almost paid off. And if you've been watching this, when, when I first was hired about eight and a half years ago, we had almost a million dollars on our mortgage. Almost a million dollars. We are really close to finishing off our mortgage. We need people like you to give sacrificially to debt reduction so we can be free from the burden of a mortgage and free up capacity for ministry in our community. We have children weekly here hearing the gospel through Ignite and will continue to be focused on reaching children. It's an opportunity to use your gifts for God's glory. And in case you didn't hear my, I'll call it a pitch last week, we would love for you to serve. Victory looks like new circles getting started in your neighborhoods. It looks like us being a city on a hill Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 and 16. He says, you are light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. It can't be hidden. And then verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What victory looks like at sunlight is new people coming to faith. People, people that need Jesus. People that have faith. Becoming more like Jesus. As the heroes of the faith are cheering the church on. In Angola, Indiana, we need to be focused on Jesus. So the question is this. Are our best days in front of us or behind us? Remember, when your memories exceed your dreams, the end is near. That's the bad news. But there is good news. When your memories exceed your dreams, the end is near. But when your dreams exceed your memories, you pioneer. Let me say that again. When your dreams exceed your memories, you pioneer. You decide to do something different. You take every breath that you have as a gift from Jesus Christ, and then you take that breath and you do whatever he has asked of you. So what? What's the big deal? Look at Hebrews chapter 12, and I went through three different sections of that. Are we pioneers or settlers? You guys know what settlers do, right? They find a location, they sit there, they stay safe, they do what they're going to do, and they don't pioneer. They're not open to uh, new people. They're not open to others. They're not bringing people along with them. They're like, oh, I feel safe here. I'm going to stay here. But I don't believe we're settlers. I believe we're pioneers. The reason I believe that is we're fixed on Jesus. And when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, we remember what he called us to do. Mark 16, 15 gives us a call. And that call doesn't change no matter how young you are, how old you are, what background you have, what financial standing you have, what job you have. Mark, in Mark, Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
Go is a pioneering word. Stay is what settlers do. Go is a pioneering word. It's what we do. We have a world to reach. If the people who first heard Mark 16 decided to stay and not go, you wouldn't be here today. If they decided to stay instead of go, you would be, I don't don't know where. We'd all be lost. The good news is that Jesus people, people that are pursuing Jesus, are pioneers. Jesus people go. When we're following Jesus, that's what we do. Jesus people let the people of this world know that we're for them and that the God of the universe is for them. That Jesus is for them. So let's recap the whole series. I know. How am I going to do that in three seconds? What do we want to be known for? We want to be known for what we're for. We're for Steuben County. We're for our neighbor. We'll say yes to those who said no to Jesus, to church and what we believe. We'll go out in our community and share the greatest message the world has ever seen. For God so loved the world that he not only, he, he, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in me will, shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave his son for you and me. He gave his son for the people that aren't here today, that you love, that you care for. He gave his son for the people you don't like, the people that you've been hurt by, the people, the list goes on. This is our vision, to see God move through you and in, in, in before Steuben County. What do we value? As a church, as a community, what do we value? Bringing people to Jesus. Bringing people back to Jesus. I pray on Sunday mornings that you don't see me. You just see an opportunity of someone that's being used by Jesus. Build into people like Jesus. You know the most common argument Jesus got in with the disciples or anyone else was who was going to be first in his kingdom? And I still think that's the same argument that we have today with celebrities and and everything. If we're going to build into people like Jesus, it's not about getting credit. It's literally about just doing it. Sending people out to replicate like Jesus. We have a profound opportunity in a town this size, in a city this size, to reach people that are going to go out all over the world from Trine University. Sending people out to replicate like Jesus. Our memories are great, but our dreams are even greater. When your dreams exceed your memories, you pioneer. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do something different. The world is waiting for people to pursue Jesus. They're waiting for you. So pioneer. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we know as a church that many times when we look at your life, when we look at at how you 
sent your son to die on a cross for our sins and then raised on the third day and gave us life. Let us be so bold as not to forget that fact. Let it ignite a passion in us for your kingdom. Let us be pioneers. Let us bring people, be open to people that maybe the world is not. God, thank you that you sent your son. To be a pioneer to open up the gospel to us as Gentiles, to open it to us so that we can have hope, that hope that's found in Jesus Christ. God, continue to move through us as a church, as we pioneer in our community, as we, as we prepare others to follow Jesus. As we, as we try to open doors and the Holy Spirit uses us, please, God, use us for your glory and not for our own. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen.